Hey everybody, we are super pleased to announce our new sponsor, Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. The goal? Power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. And the best part? Marvel Strike Force just reached its six-year anniversary, which means free stuff when you sign up via our unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. Just complete each event, and you'll receive special awards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and every week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. If we have received a unique promo code for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Again, anybody uses that code, it is unique for all new users. Check it out. Once again, thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Games Anonymous, the pocket of board gamers, and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. And this is episode 368, Kickstarter Top 10 Losses. We'd like to thank our brand new Patreon backer, I'm Not Giving My Name to a Machine, for helping us bring you a brand new episode. All right, Anthony, we are back, and we are back thanks to the support of all our Patreon backers, and especially our new Patreon backer, I'm not giving my name to a machine. Smart. You shouldn't. I, I mean, why would you? I mean, I don't want to do those things. We are, we're anonymous. That's what we do. You are in the right place, my faith, faithful and uh, wonderful Patreon backer, and all of you out there who are supporting this week. But unfortunately, sadly enough, we have to talk about our greatest losses from Kickstarter. Our giant L's, so to be. Anthony? Yeah. Kickstarter, that great, great beast that giveth and taketh away. Mostly taketh away the money. Um, sometimes give us a good game, not always. Uh, so this week we're talking about the stuff that didn't click. Uh, I over the years I've backed. I'm not going to give you a number, but it's a lot and it's too many <laughs> campaigns uh, going back to 2013. So nine years of campaigns, a lot of which I backed, many of which we'll talk about today that I'm not happy that I spent that money on. A handful of which I wish I had backed. Mm-hmm. I know you had a few of those as well. Yep. Uh, and yeah, it 
I think we talked about this before. They're not all necessarily bad games. They're just games we maybe have regrets about or just didn't work out for us. Yeah, if you want to know the real numbers of our Kickstarter, you have to back at the IRS level. Because <laughs> that's really where you get to know all the, the real sadness of all of this. But yes, yeah. the, the top 10 losses out here, again, are coming from a lot of different places. You know, when Kickstarter was young, it was all about helping a publisher come out with a game that they would not be able to do otherwise and it was new and exciting and fun and it was rare it was really rare when it when a game was going to come out on this weird generic kind of platform and now it's the standard across the board so it really has developed over the years and it has given us a lot of wins and losses throughout the way and again what we're looking at for this week and again i think we should mention that this is a one of two episodes. So we are talking losses this week and we are talking wins next week. So hopefully you will not get totally down in the L column because next week we'll bring you back up in the W column. But yes, there are games that we are sad that we backed because it cost all the monies. And on the other side, there are games that we did not back and now it cost all the monies. Right. <laughs> You're like, well, I should have backed that game. Yes, you, you certainly should have. So, Obviously, if we ever get access to a time machine, this is the first place we're going, because why not, right? You know, you want those games. Yeah. So, yes, there's a lot of losses, sometimes really bad games, sometimes really bad platforms or terrible, absolutely terrible, terrible campaigns throughout. And sometimes, I don't know, sometimes you don't even get a game. I guess those people, especially, those are the ones that are really with the real big losses out there. So we feel for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have not had that happen. I have one game that was five years overdue, and... Bless the creator. He had a lot of health issues. He finally got that game shipped out at his own expense. It now exists in my home. I don't know if I'm ever going to play it because I forgot why I backed it. But um, it's, yeah, for the most part, everything has come through. Yeah. But not everybody. Yeah, when it was a dangerous prospect early on, everyone was saying that Kickstarter was going to lose everybody, all their monies, all the time. And we were waiting for, like, that one giant game that was going to cost all the money and someone's going to run out of town. That did not seem to happen. There was some incidents. There was some games here and there. And I know Kickstarter does not care, right? So there are people who just take all the money and they just spend it. Yeah, there's been a few like six-figure campaigns that people aren't sure are ever going to fulfill. But like we haven't had a Simon or a Queen Games run away with $3 million yet. Yes. So we'll see. I don't know. Well, Anthony, speaking of which, I know that everyone out there listening has had similar experience. So what's our question of the week? Yeah, question of the week, we asked, what's your biggest Kickstarter fail? So what campaigns did you miss out on, backed but ended up hating, or just never received? Um, got a lot of good, a good answers there. Uh, Chris says, Scythe, wasn't sure the game group would enjoy it, and now it's their most played game. So it's taken a few years to get all the upgrades it would have gotten for free in the Kickstarter. So I've kind of piecemeal all together all those cards and stuff that were extra there. Um, Johnny mentions Galaxy Hunters. So he says, I'm all about theme when playing games, so I backed as soon as I saw it pop up. Excitement level was off the charts when it shipped, but after the first play, I had to read read the rulebook and try to figure out what they did wrong. Hadn't done anything wrong. Heartbroken after my second play, it's just an awful game. So that's that's a terrible feeling when you're really hyped for a game and it comes in just terrible. Yep. Um, Darren mentions Joan of Arc. Wished they had backed that game. Okay. Um, Dwellings of Eldervale, similarly, and the original Blood Rage. So mostly mostly regrets of not backing games. Understandable. We got a few of those. Um, AC Holt mentions uh, Singularity. So <laughs> I don't know if this is a game, but it uh, has a tagline, the darkest object we have ever made. And <laughs> he says, when I finally arrived, wow, did I feel like a rube. Uh, it was not misrepresented in any way, but there was nothing spectacular about it. 
a really black circle in a plexiglass container. Wow. It's like a pet that rock is, there. That is deep. <laughs> um, also regrets not backing Unsettled sure. um, in on the new campaign and did back Arc Awakening, which is now a couple years overdue on the Ooh. delivery front. Uh, Jeremiah mentions that the first campaign he backed, the very first one, was Founders of Gloomhaven. Oh, no. Figured it couldn't miss after the success of the predecessor. Oh, no. Well, you were wrong, sir. <laughs> uh, missed out on Sleeping Gods as well. Sure. Um, Andrew mentions Unbroken. I've heard a lot about this campaign. Yes. Uh, from uh, I don't remember who exactly ran this campaign, but um, Andrew says, worst campaign experience around. Wow. Toxic. Backers are forced to pay more if they wanted their games. There's a whole shipping thing there. Uh, also mentions regretting not backing Everdell. Liked the look of the game, but canceled it because of Starling Games being involved. Uh, but eventually ended up picking up the game at retail, and now it's a family favorite. So lots of different reasons people don't like the campaigns or missed out on a campaign or yeah. feel regret. Um, maybe a bad campaign, maybe a bad game. Maybe you just missed it. Maybe you couldn't afford it. But lots of reasons. Yeah, there are. And again, it's, it's you know, you're putting money in advance way in advance in some cases for a game that may or may not ever come out. So you're investing. Mm -hmm. So it's not terribly surprising that there are bad investments or missed opportunities and things like that. So, and you think if you have that $200 in your bank for the, what, two, three years, by the time that game comes out, you're probably making some legitimate interest considering what the game will cost after the fact, which probably will be at a (laughs) discount. So it's just, Oh, man. And then sometimes just, I, I know this has been a big thing. We won't talk about this in our wins and losses, but it should be made to mention that, especially early on, there was an expectation that you would get the game first. Yeah. Yeah. That's an annoying thing that we've all kind of just come to terms with now. Yeah. Right. Simon has gotten really bad about this where they'll release the retail version really really early and they're like no no but you'll get your stuff all the extra bonus stuff in like a year or two yeah like the marvel united campaigns have both done that oh my like god almost a full year between retail release and kickstarter shipping and people get mad but at this point they're like we don't care <laughs> yeah they they used to promote the campaigns as that like if you go look at one of the reasons why to back the kickstarter is because you'd be the first one to get the campaign and then i remember early on that was a situation where games were showing up at cons and they were like, oh, but we produced a couple for the con. You really can't blame us. Right. And then it became, oh, we produced a couple for the stores yeah. and then the big box stores and everything. And just like, what am I doing? I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So that, I think that was, I think that was overall a big L for a lot of people out there and still continues to be so because you would believe if you were an early investor and publisher that you should get the first copy of the game because why not, right? Like, why would you not get the first copy of the game? Yeah, no, there's been a couple of games I didn't back recently that I went and bought in a big box yeah. store months before other people got it. Same the here. Ares Expedition, I got at Target early. Um, I got, <laughs> I have Marvel United X-Men, the base box of that. I got, like, last November, and yeah. that's not shipping for however many more months. Um, yeah. I don't get all the bonus stuff. I didn't pay for that, <laughs> but I spent $25 and got the base box, which yeah. is all I really wanted. And I'm like, cool, I'm glad I didn't back this. <laughs> Aww. So we'll talk about all of these. Anthony, you and I have two big lists on here. Again, we could go for hours on this that we were looking through the list. Like, There's a lot of, again, we talked about the getting the game first. And I guess also there's another thing that we could talk about in detail. I don't think we're going to go into it here because it's really, it moves to the nitpicking area. Like you get a game, and maybe it's just okay, right? Yeah. There's that just okay kind of 
it's okay. Or maybe it's a good game, but you probably paid a little too much for it. Maybe not outrageous. Right. And that's kind of a loss. But at the same time, it doesn't raise the level of jumping up and down. Right. That kind of situation. So that tends to be one of those things as well. And then finally, before we jump to list, I want to mention also the fact that when we're talking about the losses here, especially, we have to take in consideration everybody out there who are, I mean, we're kind of privileged coming from the U.S. that we're getting a lot of games delivered to us without like insane levels of delivery charges. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, some people pay hundreds of dollars yeah. here in Australia or Brazil or like any of the, like the non-standard I guess if you're not in Europe or the United States, basically, you're yeah. paying crazy, crazy fees for shipping, especially now. Like, we complain about the shipping prices in here a lot. Like, oh, $30 for shipping right now. And someone, <laughs> someone in Brazil is like, yeah, 90 here. Okay. <laughs> all said. Um, yeah. And, you know, we don't have to pay all the extra taxes or anything on it either. So, like, all things considered, we have more access to these things. And we're well aware of that. But it's fun. It's a podcast. Let's complain. Yeah. Yeah, again, and, and I think that's that's going to be an L for a lot of people out there, too, just the shipping costs in general. Yeah. And again, we're not going to go into that, but it's an L for us across the board, and I'm sure it's a bigger L for everybody else out there. So we feel you. Uh, def- definitely. really feel bad about that. So, Anthony, do you want to start off with your top 10 losses for Kickstarter for all time? Hopefully all time. Hopefully you have no more losses after this. This is it. <laughs> You don't have to have any more losses. Well, I don't back as much anymore. So okay, <laughs> yes. is that a loss? I, yeah, I don't think so. Okay, <laughs> the gain from my bank account. <laughs> um, all right, so I'm gonna start off with number ten, which is a, a game I've never actually played. So you know, fair warning. I'm not saying it's a bad game. In That's fact, why it's a loss. Chris will say it's a good game. It's a good game. Feudum. I backed the original Kickstarter on this, all in, all the stuff. I backed the second Kickstarter for the additional expansions, all in, all the stuff. So I've spent 150, 160 dollars on this game now. Um, I've had it now for six, seven years, however long it's been out. Sure. Uh, I have tried to learn this game two or three times now, <laughs> and it is almost impenetrable. Yeah. I just I can't get it. I can't get my head around it. Uh, I'm sure I could if I really dedicated the energy to it in a way that I would for another game, but I just don't even know who I could get to play it, at least before I moved out here. Me? Yeah. I'll play it. You were too far away before. I love it. <laughs> get me some Feudum. So this is a game that I've owned forever, paid a lot of money for, have never played, uh, and every time I've tried to learn it, it's been a bad experience. So one hopes that someday <laughs> I play this game and I love it. I really hope I don't dislike it. That would make me really mad. Yeah. <laughs> like after all that time, I could have gotten rid of it. Uh, but yeah, that's that's where this one falls in just the, I bought it on the hype and then I just haven't been able to do anything with it. It's just taking up shelf space. It's a big box. Yeah, I bought the secondary, and I know they've had expansions that were on Kickstarter that I did not back as well, and I feel like that's a loss for me. I, I wish I would have backed those. But again, it was one of those things where, especially the expansion pieces, I really wanted to play with, but they were like, you know, they were kind of toy quality, yeah. so they were really expensive. And it is hard It is hard to get Feudum out to the table. I would, I would certainly do a whole campaign just to get people to play more Feudum, but you would need that to get that out there on the tables, because it is not an easy teach. Sure. All right, my number 10 is also not a bad game, and a game I have not played yet, kind of. That's Suburbia Collector's Edition. I love Suburbia. Anthony loves Suburbia. Everyone loves Suburbia, right? Yeah, it's a top 10 game for me, and I did back this. So, Yeah, so I own Suburbia. I own everything from Suburbia, at least the original version of Suburbia. So all of the expansions, and I bought probably, I think I probably have all the promos, or maybe close to having all the promos. So when this came out, this was 
again, one of the starts of the changes for Kickstarter where the companies were like, hey, you know that thing that you bought? You know how you bought all of it? How about buying all of it again, but a little bit prettier, but for a lot more money? Yeah. And I was just like, I, I love this game, but I have this game, but pretty? But I have... So yeah. I really tortured myself on this. And this was one... And I think we need to mention... It can also maybe be a little bit of a loss for you, maybe for other people. I know this. Everyone who's back to just have a challenge because the box is so massively square yeah. that you it's hard or almost nearly impossible to get to game nights. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, this is a... Of all my top 10 games, this is the one I have played the least in the last two years because of this stupid big box. Yeah. I got rid of my regular edition because this was coming in. I gave it to a friend. And now I just have this giant box on the shelf to collecting dust because unless people come to my house... It isn't getting played. I'm not lugging this thing anywhere. Yeah, and do you remember by chance on this, because I know this was a thing, that it was, what was really known about this campaign was obviously the upgraded components, but also the fact that they had the player pieces in, like, how many colors exactly? Like, if you bought the whole thing? 17, 20, something like that. And it was, like, variations of every color. Like, lighter green, darker green, this, that. And it, it like, oh, it's New York, so it's a darker green. Oh, it's California, it's a lighter green. You're like, Really? Yeah, it was, it's pointless because you could just do multiple colors for this. You could have 18 to 20 cities and just have like, you know, Chicago and New York are both blue. It's fine. <laughs> Double-sided. I don't know. Figure something out. But it didn't do anything asymmetrical. It was just more yeah. colors. I mean, I've never seen a campaign like that where they were like, you like player colors? Here are all the player colors. Like if I would have mentioned that at a meeting, I would get yelled at. Like, oh, yeah. how is that a thing? Like. People are going to buy that. I'm like, yeah, they'll pay more money. So I, I actually, it is a loss for me because I did not back it. I do love Suburbia. I do wish I owned this. I have been watching this on, you know, not necessarily the secondary market, but online to it comes down to a point where I want to buy. But even then, I don't think I'm getting the Kickstarter version of it. So Suburbia Collection Edition is my number 10. All right. Uh, number nine for me is a, a digital edition expansion. So this is a thing that was going on for a while. I haven't seen a lot of these recently. It seems like Generally, they're just getting funding to do it properly now, um, or they work with Asmodee. But Lorenzo Il Magnifico, Digital Edition, uh, Cranio Editions tried to push this out. And so it's a Kickstarter for the app, as well as a small expansion pack of cards. Um, I don't remember the exact name of it, but basically these cards added a lot more interaction between players, almost like a take that element um, and some other stuff to the game. And then you have the app. And so I was like, oh, I love this game. It's one of my favorite games. More cards, digital edition, I'm all in, right? It wasn't even a crazy amount of money. It was like 30 bucks probably. But two things. One, the take that stuff in this game, not great. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to add that. I don't play with these cards. And two, the app was terrible. Terrible. <laughs> they released it. It was borderline unplayable. Yes. It was, the UI was like a mess. I don't oh, know what awful. they thought they were doing with that. Terrible. And they kept tweaking it over time and eventually released it fully to Steam so that people could play it at a cheaper price than what I paid for it, of course. So and it I, crashed all the time, too. Yeah. So it actually runs now, but it's still kind of ugly. And I paid more than the people who actually get to play it now. So I was I paid them to beta test their game, essentially. Yeah. Um, big, big fail. This is the last time I'll ever back a digital edition. Uh, this was right around the time of Blood Rage, and that one was fine. That worked out fine. Plus, I got miniatures out of that deal. This one, like, this had this had cards, right? You could get yeah, the, yeah, cards the cards, and the, but the cards are not great. No, the cards are bad too. That's that was that's the double whammy here. This was the worst board game implementation I've ever played, and I'm talking like way back when when board games were coming out early on, like as apps, like they were not great, but this was broken. Yeah, it was unplayable. Yes, 
and it's ugly as all get out. And even if, forget ugly, right? It's just it was unplayable. The UI, like, like what am I doing here? I've played this game a hundred times. Yeah, I have no idea what's what happening. What am I looking at? Yeah, and like you're you're shrinking. Start. It was it was so abstracted from a game that's on a board on a two dimensional plane. Yeah, why could you not replicate the two dimensional platform? Like, I don't. I don't understand why it's so bad. And then the cards, a lot of those cards were like, take that cards. Yeah. And it's like, why am I playing Lorenzo, which is, you know, this kind of engine building game. And now I'm throwing stupid stuff in it. Like, I don't even want to play with that anymore. It's, I don't know. Yeah. Bad. Bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My number nine is Starcadia Quest. Now this is another giant Simon, all the miniatures kind of thing. This was... I don't know what you say, a revision, a reimplementation, a reimagining of Arcadia Quest -theming. Yeah. Of, in space, right? Yeah. It had a quicker playtime because I think you, instead of three characters, you had two characters. You had, it was somehow quicker and smaller and shorter and supposedly faster. I have not played it. Right. I, it, I always struggle with this. Am I a bigger sci-fi fan or fantasy fan? And when this came out, at least the base characters were were so generic. And I think they were like, honestly, they felt to me to be more like space pirates, which I know is a genre. But like, I was like, I don't, I don't, no, I don't want space pirates. I want, I want space. I want Star Wars. I want Star Trek. I yeah. want, I want the other stuff. I get it. And it was like, they were fighting like space octopuses for some reason like yeah. so i was like nah and then obviously as the campaign drew on they did what simon does best which is they added a whole bunch of like kickstarter exclusive characters that were more like legally distinct ip characters that you knew and loved so by the time the campaign wrapped up you were like oh cool you can get all these things and at that point it was like i already have arcadia quest what am i doing i'm like do i love this that you know the the legally distinct ip stuff enough to to buy it and i didn't back it and then it's recently been on sale on, on like miniature market and a lot of other places at like major discounts but the the all the kickstarter exclusive is not included and that's the characters that i would want to play as yeah. not the not the base box and the expansion box stuff so i'm like if i buy this even at a discount i'm gonna have to start tracking down the secondary characters at a crazy price and really, what is it? You know, oh, it's another character that kind of looks like Ripley from Alien. Like, right. okay, so, and I've done that with Arcadia Quest, and it's insane. <laughs> Secondary markets for these individual characters is insane. So it's a loss because I didn't back it, and it's also a loss because I will, I guess I, I will never seemingly buy it, which just kind of breaks my heart a little bit, but yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, I mean, I did back this. This was my end of my... I guess it's the last Arcadia thing they did anyways, but um, I, did, I didn't go all in on this after... I'll talk about Arcadia Quest more later, but it's it's one of those things like you regret not backing it. I kind of regret backing it because I just I never play any of this stuff. Yeah. And I, but I'm glad to have the stuff because there's that little acquisition disorder in the back of my brain, like get all the things. So yes. I have all the like the Princess Leia pieces and stuff. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Arcadia Quest is a whole thing. Arcadia Quest is a whole definitely... Yeah. <laughs> We'll talk about it more. Uh, number eight, Kingdom Death Monster, the oh original release of this. Oh, boy. So Kingdom Death Monster was a campaign, I don't know, when was that, 2013? It was forever ago. And and the, the funny thing about that, too, is I was just telling Anthony, like, I remember seeing this. I don't know if it was a preview or they set it out and then they rebooted it or whatever it was. And it was so just visually striking. 
and it and it, again it had a it had like a lot of promise to it as being like this kind of really amazing crazy Kickstarter. But the, I think the big issue was that it's such a big, long, complex game, and it came out early on where a lot of media and a lot of like publishers and creators did not have the wherewithal to kind of put together extensive playthroughs. Right. So you're like, oh, this is early on. This is a lot of money back then. And I'm not really sure about these weird monsters and everything else. Am I backing this? And I'm, you know. Right. No, it's crazy. But the thing is, the reason I regret backing this, because I did eventually get a copy of the 1.5, right? Which came out, I don't know, three years after that. Um, But that one was $300. Yes. And then if you wanted the extra stuff beyond that, you were paying five, six, seven. I think the top pledge for that game was like $1,000. And then you got content over like five years. They're still releasing content for it. Amazing. First edition... If you backed in on that, it was $155 for the Survivor Pledge, which got you the big giant box, two exclusive miniatures, a t-shirt, an art book, access to the other stuff that he was releasing. Yeah. And then you just had to pay for the upgrade kit when that came out. Like, and he just kept adding stuff. It was like a, you know, a Gloomhaven situation yeah. where he just kept adding more content to it. So the people who got this, like the 3,000 of them, they got a really good deal. They did. They got the game early. 1.5 definitely improved on it, but it was still like all the stuff that you're now spending three or $400 for you got for less than 200. Yes. Um, Much lower shipping at the time too. This was the biggest Kickstarter of its time. I think it was like $2 million back in 2013, which was crazy. Yes. But even then, like if you took those 5,400 backers and charged them what he's charging now, it would have been $10 million. So I, I do regret that. I did overpay for it. I haven't really done much with it, but um, it was one of those ones. Like it was six months into my gaming life, and I'm like, "There's no way I'm spending that much money on this." Yeah, I, I remember at one point, like I didn't back this, and I didn't think much about it until like once it came out, and I never saw it played. I've never yeah. been to a game night where this has been played because it's not something that you'll see at like a meetup or something like that. Like no one's bringing this out to a diner no. and opening this up. But at the same point. It got such incredible buzz, especially early on. And like you said, Anthony, the value, this this is kind of like an early version. Of, I'm, when, I'm not sure when Gloomhaven came out, but I think this came out prior to Gloomhaven. Oh, yeah, like three years. And in fact, Gloomhaven might owe some of its success to this game because, again, it was the idea that can you buy a giant, huge box for a lot of money and, you know, is that that concept was brand new. Now, when Gloomhaven came out, it wasn't that new, Right. So when this came, I, there was so much buzz about it that all I knew about the game, otherwise, other than I had seen it at one point, was the fact that people were selling it, the initial the initial box, for hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Someone had said to me during the meetup, hey, I got a copy of this game from, from a friend, you know, do you want to, you know, do you want it for $200? And I, you know, I said, yeah, no, I'll, sight unseen, I will buy this right. game for $200 <laughs> because I know it goes for like, at that time, I think it was going for five or six hundred dollars. And I said, but you know, if you really want to, you should try to get money for this. Like, yeah, I, I mean, I will buy this and probably put it in my closet almost indefinitely. But if you could make six hundred some odd dollars, just sell it. And he, I think they ended up do selling. I don't remember how much they got for it, but right. I've seen this at the conventions. And like you said, this company has blown up. Yeah. And the miniatures are insane, like insane, both in scary, but also in like fun. And just the details, incredible. I do regret this. I do. I would have put this on my list as well, just because yeah. the only reason why it's not on my list is this would be a lifestyle game for me personally. Like oh. I would have to give up every other game and go, 
I'm all in on this because it is a cult, yeah. right? I mean, there's probably cult figures in the, in the game too. So sure. ironically yeah. enough. Yeah. All right. My number eight game here is a small game, but a problematic one. This is Card City XL. This was a game that I was really excited for. Card City was a game that was small and cheap and inexpensive, and it was out there for a long time. XL was supposed to be like this big game of all games that were, was coming out there, and there was going to be so many different ways to play it. It was bad. It was just a bad game. And it's just, and, and honestly, one of the reasons why it was a bad game was because it was developed in the way that you knew, almost knew it was going to be a bad game because it's like, hey, huge deck of cards, and you can play this game like a dozen different ways that probably were not all well playtested. And the shipping was very high. This this was coming from a small publisher, uh, Album VR, if I remember correctly yeah, on this. Maybe Game Studios. Yeah. So this was coming from a small publisher, so it was a little more expensive than it needed to be. The shipping was more expensive than it needed to be. The game was tremendously disappointing, and I have a copy nearly in pristine condition despite the numbers of times I've played it, and I'm just like, I, I can't. Yeah. So, And that was really sad for me because I like or love all of his other games and have spent a ridiculous amount of money, but this was like a... A massive fail for me. That's funny. I like this game. Okay, <laughs> I have a I have a really good copy of it. If you'd I like to, it, if, you should own two of them. No, then. <laughs> I don't think it's it's definitely like the bottom of his list in terms yeah. of games. I can't argue with that. Um, it's it's not great. It's a seven for me though. Uh, but but yeah, like in terms of what was promised and how much it cost, not a great deal. And the shipping too for yeah. like a small a small game like that. I know wherever he's coming from is quite yeah it's Western Europe. Yeah, but nonetheless, Anthony. Oh. All right, number seven for me, also a small game, and I don't want to dunk on a small company, so I'm, I'm going to be nice here, but because this was a $35 game from Daily Magic Games, Merchants of Araby. Um, it only raised oh $35,000 on Kickstarter. Like, yeah. Very small. This was definitely me sitting up late with my daughter yeah. um, when I backed this, because, yeah, she was a year and a half old <laughs> when this went up. I'm looking at the date. Um the, I never played the game. And the reason I never played the game, and it might be good, it might be bad, I don't know. But the reason I never played the game is when I popped it open to punch it. Here you go. It smelled like Thank chemical you. death. It was poisonous. Yes. I couldn't. Yes. I immediately closed the box back up. I threw it in my closet. I eventually threw the game away. Yes. Um, we mentioned this, I think, at some point at the convention. I got a separate, sep completely separate from you. I got this game and had the same problem with it. Oh my gosh. I don't know what it is. And they didn't produce very many copies. There was only 900 backers and maybe they made another thousand. So maybe it's just a bad batch. <laughs> I don't know. I never bothered to look to see if other people had the same problem because there aren't that many people who own this game. <laughs> but yeah. it's just, I don't know. And I don't remember why I bought backed it because I've never played it. But it was just, it's never happened to me before. I've opened other things like bedding or furniture i mean like oh that's kind of a smell but yeah like a away. board i can't put the board game outside to off gas like it's made of paper and wood um yeah. can't leave out in the elements so i'm just like all right this is never getting played and that was a fail <laughs> that was a weird fail too because like i said i got that game completely separately yeah had the same issue could not wrap my brain around it like you open a board game yes sometimes there's an ink smell or a plastic smell and it fades, but this was like a toxic foam so plastic bad, kind yeah. of thing. And I think I did the same thing. I closed it back up and I don't believe I ever even played it. I don't know if I threw it out or if it's somewhere sitting, but it was just, it was shocking how bad that was. Yeah. So yeah, bad on you guys. I'm sorry. No, I, I have to dunk on them a little bit because that was, that was, da I don't know. I want to say it was dangerous, but those are like unstable molecules. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever it was. We don't know what we were breathing, but it smelled terrible. It smelled terrible. <laughs> so, yeah. 
All right, my number seven is Massive Darkness. Now, I know a lot of people love Massive Darkness, especially since the second campaign came out with the expansion and everybody backed it. And honestly, I looked at the second campaign that came out because, you know, they basically say it in the second campaign. This is a Simon game. So this is all miniatures. This is dungeon crawling. And I did not own, like, I mean, it's kind of hard to say because a lot of games are dungeon crawl games, but I didn't own a dungeon crawl game. I backed this. I got all the stuff for this. It's sitting. Nothing's opened. And then I heard, like, all the bad things about it. I got to play it. It was okay. It's not a bad game. It's just an okay game. Yeah. And then the expansion came out on Kickstarter, and they're like, we fix things. And there's now asymmetrical kind of certain, like, roles and powers and things. I'm like, oh, this is great. But to back that is another 200 and some odd dollars. So yeah. I'm like, am I doubling down on a game that I never wanted to play to begin with? Right. <laughs> and I really, that was like, if, if I look back where I think back about my Kickstarters, this is the one that really just twists me a bit because I spent so much money on the base game. I didn't know what to do and I didn't back the second campaign. Yeah. And I also backed the first campaign. I got it. I opened it. I played it, yeah. which is rare for me. <laughs> to get a game and open it and play it while it's still hot. Yeah. Didn't like it. Uh, and it was, I forgot exactly what was broken about it, but there was like two ways to play the game. There was like a campaign mode or an epic mode. Mm-hmm. And then there was like a, a shorter version of it. And one of them worked and one of them didn't, essentially. Like sure. you, the power creep was too hot. You'd reach a certain point and just start walking through all the enemies. There was no challenge. There was no strategy to it. Yeah. So you're just rolling a bunch of dice and walking down a map. Um, miniatures were great, but $300 great? No. So I ended up selling my copy on eBay like the next day. Mm. So I think I had it in my house for a week and then I got rid of it. And so I don't really consider it a fail necessarily because I actually got my money back on like a lot of games on this list. Um, but I'm 100% in the same boat with you. It just didn't work for me. And so when the second one came up, I'm like, we made it better. I'm like, heck no, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, again, I'm still not sure what's... I mean, I still have it brand new pack sealed. So I I don't know if I can even get my money back for this game. So it's one of those sad, sad losses there. Yeah. All right, uh, number six for me, uh, one of our listeners mentioned this on Facebook, uh, Founders of Gloomhaven, right? So I did actually back the original Gloomhaven campaign, and I obviously greatly enjoyed it when it came in. Um, and I did the same thing everybody else did. Founders of Gloomhaven, you're like, oh, it's like a sequel to Gloomhaven. It's based on it. And I, I knew it was a hero because we, we'd actually spoken to Isaac a little bit about this, um, Jason and I on the solo podcast. But the game just didn't really work like if it had just been a euro set in the gloomhaven universe i would have been fine with that right but the way the game was constructed never mind the expectations that's a fail on its own like we knew this was going to be a problem when they put it up but beyond that the game itself just wasn't very compelling the rules weren't great the the tile placement elements of it was just a little wonky the game took too long like it's not a terrible terrible game it's like six maybe like you're being generous and I don't. I don't find it terrible. I just didn't want to play it again. Right? It, it ended up being a dodge for me. Sure. It's not a burn. But no. But coming off of Gloomhaven, Isaac Childress and everything else, like I'm like that's super super disappointing. The biggest loss here, honestly, is just the marketing and the presentation and the way it was pushed out. And this really could have hurt his brand. Yes. It didn't. He mm. managed it. Yeah. Well, I mean, Frosthaven made eight million dollars, whatever. Yeah. Um. But it really, and honestly, it probably did for a while. And it's just, he kind of recovered by just doubling down on Gloomhaven and Frosthaven. Yes. Um, so, I don't know. I had it. I got rid of it. I don't remember what I have, did to it because it was worth $10. Nobody wanted it. I probably just chucked it. But Yeah, this was one of the games, I think, this was the fastest turnaround from like 
And it was an expensive game for what it was. Yeah, it was $75. Yeah, and it was not a $75 game. And then I think once it got out to, like, people's hands and they played it, like you said, it dropped down to, like, $10, $15. I've never seen a game drop so fast and so hard. Because, like you said, the expectations in the marketing was this was, you know, the next or, I guess, the prequel to Gloomhaven. And it did not look that way. And it did not play that way. And it was just... And again, I mean, so I think there are a lot of people out there who un- maybe a little bit unfairly like, hey, I played Bloomhaven, therefore I'll like this. Right. Like if you're not into board gaming, you don't understand maybe necessarily like that the IPs can transfer, but the game quality not- doesn't necessarily transfer. Like right. there's, I mean, early on when we played a lot of Euros, it was like, we used to say it was like a pasted on theme. This was kind of a pasted on theme. Yeah. You know, so yeah, that was, that was the thing. <laughs> Yep, no, that was a problem. So, <laughs> my number six is Arcadia Quest Riders. This was, I want to say, I'm not really sure, but I want to say this was their last Arcadia Quest. I think it was expansion yeah. that came out, and most famously, Simon had a, I guess, a financial report a year or two years later, and they remarked that this was one of their campaigns that like bottom the company out <laughs> because Arcadia Quest riders were these rideable creatures, you know, your horse, your steed, your dragons, your, your random kind of things. And it allowed you to kind of put your, your character on that to like, you know, go around the dungeon and you got a bonus for that. Now, that being said, that sounds awesome. And they were a little bit bigger than this, obviously the standard characters, but also they were super expensive. They were mm-hmm. overpriced. Like, even remember looking at this campaign and going, I am going to back this? Yeah. Like, I was all in. I, you know, I had drank in the, the Arcadia Kool-Aid, and I remember looking at this and going, I can't be this crazy. I, I can't. Like, why, why would I do that? It was so expensive. And the shipping, I backed it. It's fine. But there's no reason to spend this kind of money. And again... No, other people were much, much smarter and less, less, uh, you know, uh, how would you say FOMO cultists on this? Yeah. And I, it just, it, it was one of those things where I'm, I'm honestly very sorry I backed it. Yeah. No, you, it was, so most of their campaigns, Rick, the reason you get in is you get all this extra stuff. Yeah. Right? So you don't know that, but you don't know what you're going to get, but you assume because that's yeah. what they always do. Yeah. And so it was Arcadia Quest. I, I did the same thing. I backed on the first day. You get to the end of the campaign, they're like, you added two, they added two miniatures. Is Kickstarter exclusives and then like some dice. Yeah. And that was it. So it was $65 and you got the 15 in the base box, which then you could buy online for 45 Yeah. And then the two exclusives, which nobody really cares about. Nope. So they're not even worth that much. Nope. And so this campaign ended up costing 75 bucks for everything. Plus shipping. Yeah. It was 65 plus shipping. So, oh, God. It's so expensive. For 17 miniatures and like a handful of cards. They only made 300000 on this campaign because they weren't, I don't know, they just phoned it in. They're like, we need to put something up to make some money. We need cash flow. So that's what that was. That was cash flow, the Kickstarter. Yeah. And then, and again, the thing that I guess some people don't know is like the major cost for these things comes in the molds. Yeah. So creating the molds for these plastic resin kind of pieces on the table, once you pay, you put in for that exorbitant cost to make the molds, the way you make the money back is by selling this in mass. The price was too high for that. Yeah. So that's what really killed them. And again, no one's no one's looking to buy this now. No, no. You th- you think maybe it'll get rarer? No, but nobody wants it. No, because again, it's the game is done. They're not producing any more content for it. They've already done Starcadia Quest, which is obviously almost I wouldn't say killed Arcadia Quest, but like 
yeah, it's gotten in the way. All right. Uh, so like we said, more Arcadia Quest. Um, uh, next up, we have number five. Uh, this is an older miniatures game, Myth. This was way back in 2012, 2013 on Kickstarter. Um, I ended up picking up a copy at PAX East in 2014. So it was like that long ago. And the, the thing about this game is that the rules were terrible, right? We played this. We tried to play this. Sure. Um, miniatures looked nice enough. I still have them. But the game effectively ended up being a sandbox. We just kind of ran around and did whatever you want because you couldn't figure out what the rules were telling you to do. Mm-hmm. It was so bad, the game was literally broken to the point you couldn't actually play it. Yeah. Um, some people figured it out, but the vast majority of people could not figure out the 60-page rulebook. Later, like a year or two later, they released a 2.0 rulebook. They upgraded the game. They refined it. And then the company went under and it all disappeared, right? But at the time, there were not a lot of these big box miniature games. It was expensive. It was like $100 plus dollars. And it just didn't work on almost any level. So now we have uh, kind of this legacy of a broken game. It's still on my shelf because I don't, I don't really want to throw it away, but it doesn't do anything. <laughs> um, I still have the miniatures to practice painting on too. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a big disappointment at the time because everybody hire rulebook editors, okay? Just just do it. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's really bad. All right. Uh, my number five game is going to be Dwellings of Eldervale. You've all heard about this. This is the new recent, it was on Kickstarter. You did not get it. Yeah. It turned out to be great. And now you're kicking yourself because it sells out in like five minutes for like, I don't know, 50% more than what they initially sent it out as. Yeah. And it's still in this kind of quasi not going to be available, going to be available recently got a chance to play it and it's actually really good yeah that was really disappointing i know <laughs> it's not that i wanted it to be bad but it would have been nice if it was bad because this I way know. i wouldn't have felt bad about it like i stopped backing as many kickstarters when we were trying to buy our house so i like i locked it down and this is the game that kind Hold of on, cracks because of it to be fair you did kickstart your house oh we did kickstart the house yeah yes. yeah thanks thanks all the backers that... out there <laughs> It was an investment. Yeah, yeah. Your family uh, backed it. So now this is going for like $350, $400 on eBay. And if you want the version from Breaking Games, good luck because they keep not being able to get it up there. <laughs> like it sold out in five minutes. I don't know. I'll back it eventually. I'll buy it eventually when it's, it's affordable. But I do, I don't know. It's it's a shame. It is. And again, I, I don't think that there's anything, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna buy that game. Yeah. Me too. I'm just going to buy it again. And having played the game enough, I'm just like, oh yeah, I like this. And the, the fact of playing the game with the, it was the Minotaur and the Shapeshifter yeah. and stuff like that. And what did you think about the basis? Not that we're going to go into any detail here, but like, is that worthy of like the super deluxe version of it? It makes the sounds. When you know, those were annoying to me. Okay. <laughs> I'm fine without those. I actually like those. I actually like the bases. It's cool know. when you first put it on the map, but then you move it later to take it off. Like people that. are talking and it just like roars. Oh, that's kind of conversation. <laughs> So like the fifth or sixth time that happens, like it's not funny anymore. And if you play the game five times, like this is not funny at all. Sure. Yeah, I'm gonna unfortunately have to spend monies on this. Uh, me too. I don't want to do that. So that's why it's a loss. It's a good game, and I really like it. And I, I could see this getting major rotation just because it it kind of dips into that kind of gateway gamer kind of thing. It's not yeah. that very hard to play. Yeah. So yeah. All right. All right, uh, number four for me is a, a game also for me that I wish I had backed and I did not. Uh, Gentis Deluxe. Oh, yeah. This was, um, <laughs> it's a really ugly looking game. It I'm is. Just, I'm just going to put it like that, yep. right? 
It's from Stefan Reisthaus. I didn't realize that at the time. He's the guy who designed Arkwright, which is one of my top 20 games of all time. And it is the thing that Tasty Minstrel will do. Where they're like, we're going to deluxify yes. it. It's only available on Kickstarter. It's only like 60 bucks, and you get all this extra stuff. Yep. Amazing, amazing deal that I yep. did not back. And now that company's out of business. And when they liquidated all their stuff, this was the first thing to go, and I didn't get a copy. Same here. So now if you want it, secondary market, you're looking at like $150, Crazy. which is almost double, triple what it cost originally. Yep. And I'm like, and I have a base version of the game. I'm like, I can't pay Same that here. much just for the fancy box. But I have the Yokohama Deluxe, and it's so nice. And I'm like, I want the Gentis Deluxe because it's so nice. And I just, I really wish I backed it when it was 60-something dollars in free shipping seven years ago. Um, such a big miss. It's such a good game. Yeah, this game, I believe, there was an earlier version of this game that was yeah, out. Spielworks, yeah. There was yeah. a thousand copies, like, ugly box versions, and then they deluxified it. So the, that was the problem with this. When they did the Kickstarter <laughs> campaign, they didn't show, at least, again, forgive me, it's been a long time since I read this, but, like, I remember seeing a lot of the images from, like, the older game or right. the base game, and I was like, I don't want to play this. Yeah. And, you know, when Tasty Minster would do these deluxify versions, you were like, oh, I like better components, but am I going to really be utilizing the components enough that, like, the deluxified versions are great? Like, you ever, you ever back a game and it's like, hey, this has got a, an amazing first-player marker, and you're like, <laughs> awesome, that added $10 to the campaign, yeah. and it just sits in the middle of the table and no one really uses it because we could keep track. This was one of those things where the actual figures were used throughout the game. So I did not back this, didn't think too much about it, did watch the campaign. I think you might have even done a preview on this. Probably, yeah. But then later on, got to play the deluxified version and was like incredibly hurt. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I, know. I do have a base version of this from Tasty Minstrel because I think they dumped early on, not before they kind of like went oh, out yeah, recently yeah. Yeah. and i got like a i don't know if it was like 30 dollars or whatever Same, it was yeah it was like an amazon 30 something dollars yeah and i was like oh i love this game i'm going to back this and now i'm like now i'm in for whatever it is 30 dollars but i would i would throw away 30 dollars and you know burn 30 dollars for the deluxified edition I'm like that doesn't make any sense so yes i agree yeah that no, was a shame all right so next up for me here is obviously it's a hard one my number four here is madeira hmm. Now, it's hard to say that this is a loss loss, but this has been a, I don't know, it's been a long L, right? A long lowercase L because it still has not gotten to us. Uh, you, you know the story of this. You backed this as well, right? Yeah, I know I did. I have a couple of friends who backed it as well. And the, the thing about this game is, like, for the longest time, you're like, well, it hasn't been that long. It's their first Kickstarter, <laughs> right? So, like, I mean, that's a red flag by itself, a company doing their first Kickstarter. Um, but it's an established company. They've released a lot of games. Yes. And as the time drags on, and we started to keep getting these things like, oh, the factory's a problem. Oh, the factory's a problem. Like, yes. We're going to send somebody to the factory to watch them do it. Okay, we're changing factories because the factory was such a problem. Yeah. The new factory, also a problem. <laughs> and then they start getting into like personal issues, right? Which I'm not going to recount here because that's, you know, my personal issues. But the, the game, like it funded in October 2019. So we're going to two and a half years since funding. It was supposed to deliver I don't know, early last year. Even before that. I don't even know if they've gone to mass production with this game no. yet, right? They're still having manufacturing problems. And it's it's starting to get to that point. You're like, are they going to get this done? Is it going to happen? Or am I out a hundred and some odd dollars? It was an expensive game. That's the thing. This game has been out. It, it was a game that was already out there in the market. It, I guess they stopped production a long time ago. What really kicks it for me and why it's on my list was I was interested in this Kickstarter, but because this game was out of print... Never got to play it. 
and then found someone who had it, played it, but it was too late. The campaign ended. I reached out to them and said, can I back this? And they were like, sure, we'll take your money. And you'll." Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, damn it. So I backed it, I think, after the campaign ran out, like oh, within wow. a, a day or something like that afterwards. And they took my money. I'm, I'm on the campaign thing. I paid the full price. And I'm just I'm just reading these updates, and yeah. it's forever. It's for and again, like I would understand if a game was coming from scratch. I would understand if a game was coming from a new designer publisher. This game has already been done and play tested and out there, and they knew everything. Like there was nothing questionable about this. Yeah, that's the thing too. Is like their original delivery date was March 2020. Yeah, which was only six months after the campaign ended. Yeah, and so they must have thought they were close. What happened in two years? All they were doing was upgrading some of the components. It wasn't like they had to like measure things or under. I I don't. I don't. I just can't. And this company, I don't think they released any games in that time. So there's a good chance they run out of money at some point. And I I mean, I don't want to speculate on any of that. But and again, they do. There's some personal issues going on there that they've communicated with way too much information. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's it's a shame. I'm in the same boat as you. All right. Uh, number three for me is Vast, the Crystal Cavern, second edition with the miniatures. Um, I'd heard a lot of good things about Vast. I never played it because the learning curve was so high. But it was then, fast. <laughs> vast. Yeah. Uh, but they had the second edition up on Kickstarter. It came with the miniatures, an expansion, a bunch of stuff. And I was like, oh, cool. I'll go in on this. And then a few months later, this is why this one's so high. A few months later, they had another Kickstarter for Root, a game I'd never heard of from a designer I had never heard of at that time. And so I was like, you know what? I, I got Vast coming. This looks like kind of a similar thing. Yeah, yeah. And then it finally came in. Vast came in. And then I tried to play it. I tr- brought it to game night. It was a complete disaster. Yeah. Teaching that game is a nightmare. Yep. Um, people were getting angry. They were yelling at me that I had done it wrong. Because <laughs> they didn't understand what I told them. And I had to like walk around the table. Like Eventually, I wasn't even playing the game. Like I just lost because I wasn't even able to do it because I had to manage everybody else. Yeah. I'm like, this is a terrible experience. Um. Like, a really cool idea that just almost does not work in, in practice. And then I find out Root's this amazing, brilliant thing. And I'm like, I backed the wrong game. <laughs> uh, and, you know, thankfully Root was at Gen Con the year we were there. And they don't do Kickstarter exclusives, really. So it was easy to get. But Vast ended up being a game. I got rid of it. I sold it to the local game store. Because I was like, I'm never going to play this again. That was a terrible experience. I don't want to teach this ever again. And I will have to. That would The only way this happens is if I teach it. Yes. So... It was a lot of money because with the miniatures and everything, it didn't really offer any exclusive stuff. It kept me from backing root and it was impossible to play. I'm sure it's amazing for people who get through it. I'm never going to be that guy. So congratulations. Like leader games, you did an amazing job making this game. I'm really impressed that it exists, but I, it's a loss for me for all those reasons. I learned this at a small game convention and everything you're saying is true. It is an almost impossible game to teach because I don't think there's ever been I guess factions or or individual players, right? That are so asymmetrical. Yeah. Usually it's like, hey, you get to do a thing or your character's immune to a thing. This is like, you're the cave. Like, what do you mean I'm the cave? Like, you're the cave. Well, it's completely different rules, right? Yeah. Like, you get to root, it's very asymmetrical and that's hard for people, but you're all playing by the same basic movement and combat rules. And you have the same, you have the same win condition, right? Like, you're trying, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you're all trying to do the same thing, roughly. And then it's how you get there is different. And vast. Everything is different. You have to teach the game three or four times you to do. play it once, which takes like an hour, and people are like, this sucks. But also, so. also that game is different, too, because depending on what characters are in play. Yeah. Right? Because the cavern and the dragon and the, yeah, like, yeah. 
So, and then they added more stuff in with the expansion, which made it even more complicated. Yeah, but depending on the you know the players, it changes the gameplay. Right. Whereas root, you're playing with X number of you know woodland creatures, and it doesn't matter. They don't like oh if you have to play with this, you have to play with that. There's a little bit of that, but honestly, it doesn't like it doesn't change the, the, the rules of the game. And stuff yeah, like that, yeah, yeah, like you you couldn't play like woodland alliance vagabonds otters. That sure, sure, work, but it's not in the base game. You know, the base game that wouldn't be that wouldn't be a thing. Yeah, no, no, yeah. with the base four. Sure. No, that's is just it's a brilliant creation, and I'm so happy that it made root possible. But they made really so much money, but it's just not a like game. you said, like you know, with Isaac, like this just damaged the brand at least enough that you didn't back the next one coming in. For me personally, yeah. So speaking of which, right? <laughs> Terraforming Mars turmoil. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. So I want to preface this whole thing to saying because I know there's a lot of Terraforming fans out there. I was the one that. When we got into Gen Con, when we had to stay stand online at four o'clock in the morning to be able to get into the room early, to get to run across the convention center like crazy people lit on fire, I was the one who do that to get you and I a copy of Terraforming Mars at full price. Yeah, at an exorbitant, at least at the time, full price. You know, you know, MSRP, whatever it was, or 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 con prices. So I love Terraforming Mars. I backed. Well, let's not even get to that at the moment, but like I back this, Terraform Morris Turmoil. I've purchased the other expansions and liked the other expansions. Yeah, some more some more than others. This one turmoil was honestly made me angry. <laughs> now, I knew it was gonna make me angry a little bit because it was overpriced and stone yeah. and Stronghold games always overprices, you know, overcharges right. on their games. Like that's that's the thing they're kind of known for, unfortunately. Sorry, Bonacore, it's true. He overcharges for his games. This campaign wasn't overcharged. This came, you, you were backing, again, it was a small expansion. It was to add more game content on top of the game. So it added this whole voting kind of Senate council kind of thing. A lot of take that kind of cards in there. So the game, the Kickstarter was way too expensive. The shipping added to the expense. What you got from the campaign was practically nothing. And then the, playing the game itself with that expansion was bad. I will. I own this. I still. I still have this. I will never play with this. So I don't know what to do with this. But it made me. It upset me so much that I didn't back the next two campaigns, which obviously one was the huge, super big box for um, Terraform Mars, and the other one was the Ares Expedition, which I love. I love the Ares Expedition. I picked that up right. in the store. And again, maybe it's a little bit of a win because this was so bad that I didn't back the Ares Expedition and got the super better version in like the box store for cheaper. But this was the one that got me angry. Like I hate yeah. this game. I hate this expansion. <laughs> That's hate so it. funny. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of have the same story. I don't hate it as much as you do. I like if somebody put this in the table and said we're playing with turmoil, <laughs> I wouldn't get up and walk away. I would certainly not put it out myself. Uh, it. Yeah, we don't have to go into what the problem is. We have a review of that. <laughs> it, it's it, it just, it's, like, it's it, like a burn for you. It's a dodge for me. It's, it just you know. lengthens the game, and the game is already long. Yeah. And then it does a thing that you don't really need to do. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's it's like yeah. the bottom of the expansions for me. Yeah. Like, if you say we have to play with all the expansions, I'm like, I still love this game. I'll play it. But I'm now in my head, I know it's going to take six hours. Um, <laughs> but I've done the same thing. I didn't back the big box thing because, again, so overpriced. And so overpriced. This ended up being $47, $42 or something it's shipped. crazy. For an expansion. A and small it, expansion. It's like it, a board and a couple cards. Yeah, and the whole thing was like you got the you could get the recessed player boards. Yeah. I think was part of it. But yeah. 
still, it was those should have not cost that much anyway. That sh- yeah. It should just come with the game. That should have been the game. Um, so yeah, I'm with you, man. All right. <laughs> Number two for me. Um, this is where I dumped all my Arcadia stuff, but specifically Mesmora Dungeons of Arcadia. Yeah. Right. So this was a game that Simon took. I can't remember the original name of the game. Something out of Brazil. They rethemed it with Arcadia Quest ish stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it was not Arcadia Quest. It was, it was not somehow lighter, which this game is already pretty light. It's weird, yeah. Uh, it was, and so it's like a dice rolling dungeon crawl type of a game. But all the miniatures were compatible with Arcadia Quest, so I'm like, yes. whatever, I'll buy it anyways. I did. I disliked the game so much that I took the miniatures out of the box, put them in a different Arcadia Quest box, and threw away the rest. Wow. I played it two or three times. My kids were still young enough that they weren't going to play it, but I was like, I don't want to play this with them. Like, I'd rather play any of these other adventure games that they might enjoy more. Like, it's just, it's not engaging. I don't, and I know there are people who like this game, so that's me personally, but it became one of those things where I'm like, okay, Simon is definitely manipulating me into buying stuff (laughs) I don't like. I spent whatever the all-in for this was to get all the miniatures, $100, $150, I spent that much money on this terrible game. Yes. So really, I spent that much money on 40 little miniature pieces that I'm never going to use. Yes. And I'm never going to get around to painting. And so I can't even pretend that that was worth it. Like, with all the Arcadia stuff, I'm like, well, maybe I'll play the game. So at this point, I have Inferno, which I went all in on. I spent $250 on. I have Arcadia Quest. I did not go all in, but I have, like, the $150 pledge. I have this, the miniatures from this. I have all, like, the pets. I have the riders. I think I played this game once at my house since all this stuff came in. And my kids are, like, they're, like, met on it because they like the they like Star Wars or whatever sure, stuff sure. more. So I'm glad they're not making any more. I probably wouldn't back anymore at this point because I just I know I'm not going to play it. I can't even pretend my kids will enjoy it now because they're at that age and they don't like it. <laughs> so, um, like, maybe I'll paint them. At, but Mesmora was, like, the pinnacle of, Bad game, rethemed to make money. Yes. It was so cynical and manipulative. And I still gave the company money after that, but it was like the start of me being like, maybe I should stop. Maybe this isn't okay what they're doing. Yes. I backed this as well. And I probably backed this at a embarrassing level. I don't remember off the top of my head, but I think I backed this with either extra stuff because... I think I had the same, I think we talked about this. I had the same bad feeling about this. And I was like, but if I back and get the other stuff that goes along with it, then it'll actually be a better game. At least that's what, that's how I rationalized, right. my, rationalized it to myself. And th- again, this goes back to Massive Darkness, which is like, how much money do you have to spend in order for something to be good? Yeah. So I have to remember, I have to, I have to go look. It's in my closet somewhere. Again, like you said, I haven't played this, but... This was the one where the monsters were dice, right? This yeah. was this was the the cop out, right? Like yeah, you just got the miniatures, right? And it wasn't that many either. It was like I'm looking at the thing right now. It was like 15 or 16 with all the extra stuff added in. Yeah, and again, it was another vehicle for selling the figures. They could have just sold us the figures, yeah, and saved us some money. But when they package it in a game, they can sell it to you, you know, for a more expensive price. Yeah. Uh, again, I haven't cannibalized this game for my Arcadia quest yet, but again, this is, I don't know if this is the first time, Anthony, do you know if this is the first time or was it Zombicide where Simon got smart enough to say like, there's a conversion packet right. in the game. So you could take the figures from one game and put them into another. I don't know the first time they did that. I think it might've been this. And then they did it for Zombicide and Massive Darkness. Um, yeah, so this is one of those things where it was like, oh, now you when you when you see a Simon game, you look for that. 
Yeah. I know that probably the first time I've ever seen that was Kemet and Cyclades. Yeah. Right. But that was not a CMON game. Yeah. This was a CMON game and it's like, oh, I get the thing. I, again, I, I don't know if I got to double check what I actually backed in addition to that. I don't want to look at it because it's going to be, <laughs> it's going to upset me. But yes, same for me too. Yeah. Yeah, no, I went super all in. And they charge you extra for the crossover kit. It was fifteen dollars, which is stupid. That's really that's that's where there's there's the rub. Yeah. Right? That's the point where it's just like You're like sixty five for the game, you're like, okay, cool. Twenty five more for this expansion with six more figures, like fine. They're like, if you want to play it in Arcadia Quest, which is the whole reason we're all here. <laughs> another fifteen dollars play. You're like, all right, so now I've spent a hundred dollars on this one point five weight roll and remove. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. My number two is a tremendous, painful disappointment. This is the disappointment of not backing a game that turned out to be, I guess, seemingly one of the greatest games of all time now at this point. Yeah. This is Brass, an industrial revolution. This was the Brass campaign that reintroduced Brass to the board gaming world. It had previously been out there. I had previously played it. Honestly, it's one of the worst-looking produced games and I'm not just saying that. Like, go look online. Find images of the first brass up there, and you're going to be blown away by how bad it looks. Our friend Dave, he dragged me to play this. I reg- <laughs> reluctantly played it, and I was like, it's okay. Again, it's again. if you're a Euro gamer, and I know many of you are out there, or if you're you know, a Merith Thrash player out there, as I know many of you are out there, this is a different concept, right? You're borrowing, you're taking negative points and money in order to invest later, right? So right. when you first play this game, you're like, why would I do that? That seems incredibly dumb. And then you play, and then once you play the game a couple of times, you're like, oh, that's that's literally the game mechanic. <laughs> like you take the losses so you could take the wins later. This is why I don't have a lot of money, people. This is why I do a board game podcast. You have been <laughs> and once again, thanks for our Patreon backers for keeping us in food, because otherwise we would starve. Yeah. Uh, so nonetheless, yeah, this was a game that came with Lancaster, which was a upgraded version of the original game and Birmingham, which was the new version, which had beer in it, not actual beer, but shipping beer and was a better version of it. Oh my God, a better version of it. And also had the now famous iron clay tokens in this that came with the game. So there are many levels in which I hate myself for not backing this. And I've, have since picked up the iron clays and that has not broken my heart. Cause I think I probably picked them up for a little bit cheaper, but that also had another campaign too. I still can't get brass. It's still out of like, it's out of stock or it's super right. expensive. And it's, it's, and when you get it now, you don't get the full, like normal ticket to right size box. It's like narrower. Yes. Because the reason it was so big is to fit the iron clay yes. box in there. So when I saw the original, the, the final retail one on the shelves, I'm like, Oh, it looks cheaper. Yes. I mean, it is, but I don't know. It's like, I'm glad I have the big one. So. Ouch. All right. Yeah. Anthony, this is your loss of all losses. This is the big uh, L. This is the thing that keeps you up at night. Yep. What is your number one top 10 loss of all time on Kickstarter? Yeah. So for me, it's got to be Batman Gotham City Chronicles. You're not going to do the Batman voice? No, because it's so sad. Oh. It'll hurt my throat. Are you going to do the Joker voice then? No. <laughs> oh. Um. So this is a campaign that was up uh, three or four years ago, and it was for a reskin of uh, the Conan game. 
Which is great. That Monolith made it, which we had played. It's great. And I loved it. Yep. And I was like, Batman on that? Yeah. Heck yeah, give me that. Yes. Um, and then they're like, all right, here's the base box, $150. You get all <laughs> these miniatures, 150 miniatures. Look at all these different miniatures. It's like a bat cow. There's Calendar Man. There's like everything you can think of. Nice. Like, give it to me, please. And they're like, look, Wayne Manor expansion comes with a T-Rex. It comes with all the stuff that he has in his manor. It's like his special suits. we got the extra Robins. I'm like, yep, <laughs> please, give me, give me. You want to spend an extra 35 for the Batmobile? I'm like, oh, obviously, yes. Um, so all in on this ended up being 320 plus shipping. And shipping was like another 25 Which, looking at that now, I'm like, $25 to ship like 75 pounds of board game? How did they pull that off? But it was pre-issues, right? Um and so you look at it now, and I spent $350 in this game. It's these three absolutely enormous boxes, some of the biggest boxes in my house that are just sitting on the bottom shelf of my thing, taking up space and dust. I see them every day. This is why it's in my face constantly. And the game overcomplicated the rules from Conan. They added things. They tweaked things. It's just it's complicated. It's a messy. The rulebook is not very good. So... Never mind the fact that it's hard to get to the table because it's so cumbersome. Like, I can't carry this anywhere. The game itself comes in two giant boxes. Like, I'd have to, like, reorganize it all and pull it out just to be able to get the game to the table. Uh, but then the rules aren't as good. Like, they took these streamlined rules from Conan and they just added all these layers to it. And you're like, this is a mess. They added, like, a skirmish mode. They added a co-op and a one-on-one and all this stuff. And I'm like, I can't, I don't know, I can't do any of this. So I haven't really successfully played this game in a full campaign with anyone. Uh, I don't even know if I have all the content in one place anymore because I've had to like rebox it and repackage it so many times because there were so many boxes taking up so much space. And it was $350. And then the coup de gras on this is a month after they shipped it, like a month later, I got it and I opened it and I got a little through the rules. And they're like, what about season two? You want to give us another $350? That's crazy. And I was like, I can't. I, at that point, I didn't even know that I wasn't going to play the game. I was just like, I just haven't gotten to it. I can't give you more money. I can't spend $700 on a game I haven't played. I've never seen that before, even to this day. No, it's insane. And I don't know if the second one made as much as the first one. The first one made like $4.5 million. So it worked. And then they're like, give us more money. I mean, they um, ha- they've had, I mean, in order for that to be back-to-back so quickly, that had to be planned in advance. Yeah, they had more stuff. Yes. And then part of me was like, what is the more stuff? Because the first one came with Jeez. 300 miniatures. Like, there's a lot of characters in the Batman universe, but they dug deep. Yeah. There's a Bat Cow. I mean, Bat Cow's awesome. May- maybe they're pulling stuff from different versions, like Snyder, Scott Snyder's version, New yeah, 52, yeah. Um, whatever. I don't know, like the Dark Knight, that kind of stuff. I love Batman. That's why I'm never getting rid of this. I still have it. Mm-hmm. But in terms of a Kickstarter campaign, it's just so disappointing on so many levels for me. Um, the only thing I've really gotten out of this is I have a big plastic T-Rex and a big plastic, um, Batmobile on my desk. Yes. And one day I'll paint the, the T-Rex cause it comes in blue, but the Batmobile came in black. So it looks fine. Um, but yeah, it the combination of the money, the inability to play it and just the huge, just so much stuff. And it's so big. Um, yeah, it's a big disappointment for me and hopefully someday I'll actually play it, but probably not. Wow. All right, so my number one giant L of all time is probably a lot of people's mm-hmm. giant L of all time because not only is it something that was an amazing campaign, an incredible story, and literally all the drama that goes along with this, this is Glory to Rome, the Black Box Edition. This was on Kickstarter way back in October of 2013, and it was... 
a I, I think it's just the art was upgraded. No, actually, there was more than just the art. There was some cards some that new were, cards, yeah. There was some new cards that came, you know, that was upgrading the game. Glory to Rome. If you've never played Glory to Rome, it was one of, if not the kind of originators of the multi-use card system. Like you could do so many different things with the one card. And the the original version had this very weird cartoony artwork of, I guess, early Rome and it was it, it it was such a disconnect between the theme and the artwork. Yeah, and it came in this again. This we're we're talking early board game. It's like plastic clamshell, and it was just like this is a game. It almost looks like a joke. It looks like a comedy thing. So when the black box edition came out, they really did a service. To this game, it's beautiful. The iconography is great. It's clean. It's simple. It's just it's fantastic. It's a great game. It's great art. This campaign was out there. You could buy this game, hold on, for $35, man. Uh. <laughs> and by the way, free shipping to any game, any game store in the world. So Otherwise, crazy. the shipping was only $5. Anywhere in the world, free shipping or $5. That's insane. So, amazing game. Amazing artwork. Amazing story because I, I believe so. And I can't remember because we talked about this story for so many years now at this point. Like, a lot of the games got destroyed, right? There yeah. was there was some warehouse thing where like they were watered or crushed or something. I don't remember the exact situation, yeah, but like any extra copies of this that existed more or less got destroyed. So there really aren't that many in the world because only sixteen hundred people backed it. Yeah. Um. So it just it became this thing like very few people backed the game. All, yeah. all the, a lot of the extra ones that were produced got destroyed, and so there just aren't that many in existence. Yeah, it's become like this holy grail of a thing and for whatever reason there's a re somebody owns the rights or something like that i don't quite understand how that works but they can't just reprint the game yeah now if you want to pick this game up again like anthony said since it was such scarcity because of that destruction this is like the same reason why certain baseball cards are worth so much money right yeah that you're going to spend hundreds of dollars for this game and again it's a great game it's not a hundreds of dollars game no. though so it's one of those things where it kind of crosses over between being amazing and the price is just so amazingly painfully high that, and again, such low, slow, low supply that you probably will never see this game in your sorry. collection. Something, sorry. Even Siri is very sorry about this too. So <laughs> I am Siri. Sorry. Hopefully we're all sorry. We're all very sorry. And that's our top 10. We're sorry, game. <laughs> Our sorry losses of Kickstarter. Hopefully, your L's have not been as large as ours, and hopefully, if they have been, this opportunity to commiserate around them has helped you a little bit. And again, this has been fun. But until next time, this is Chris. Hey, this is Anthony. And we'll save you all a seat at the table. Take care.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.